0: invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. We are going to look at a very, very famous story, perhaps even one of the most famous in all of scripture. Uh, this is going to be part one, and in three weeks from now, I think, I will pick up part two. And the reason there's going to be that sort of delay is because we have Reactivate next week. It's going to be a very full house here. I think we have was it 178 kids signed up right now from uh, in all over the great province of ours, um, coming for a youth conference. And on Sunday, their weekend will be climaxed with uh, coming to this service. So um, we're going to have a word for the youth. And then the week after that is our ministry launch Sunday. And so going to uh, have a special message for that Sunday as well. So part one today, in three weeks, part two. The parable of the good Samaritan. Beloved, listen to God's word. Luke 10, 25-37. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is indeed for very good reason that this parable of Jesus about the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous stories in all of sacred Scripture. A story which, beyond being memorable, has led to civil laws being named after it. The Good Samaritan Clause, for example. As well as naming charities after it. Samaritan's Purse, for example. This parable of Jesus is rightly famous because it teaches us, in a nutshell, what true religion consists in. What true religion is. True religion, according to our Lord Jesus, when you get down to it, consists not least of all in a compassionate love for others. A love that sees those who have been broken, who are broken by life circumstances, and then does what it can to help them. And sometime at, sometimes at great cost to themselves. The Samaritan is indeed a good Samaritan precisely because he has, as we might put it, an eye out for the broken and a hand out for them as well. It is in this spirit that James, the brother of Jesus, says in James 1 and 27 that religion that our God and Father finds pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphan and widow in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's in this same spirit that the apostles in Jerusalem, when they receive Paul as an apostle, as Galatians 2.10 records, they tell him, yes, go and you can be the preacher to the Gentiles. But we want you to remember one thing as you go and do this. To remember the poor, which Paul says is the one thing that he is also eager to do. It is in this same spirit that the prophet Micah long before In Micah 6.8, says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. And it is, of course, in this same Holy Spirit power that Jesus came into Judea and Galilee, healing the lame, giving blind sight, giving hearing to the deaf, and casting out demons to those who were so sorely afflicted and broken. A religion, friends, that is true to God's heart, is a religion that consists in the sword of love that has an eye out for the broken and a hand out to help them. It's an eye and a hand. The priest, we are told, sees the man in the road and passes by on the other side. The Levite also, we are told, sees the man on the road and passes by on the other side. But not the good Samaritan. No, indeed, the Samaritan who is good and knows what loving like God looks like when he sees the man sitting on the road. He reaches out to do what he can, given his own resources and capacity to help. The truly religious person, the person who shares and participates in the triune God's own love for the world, is the person, when it's within their reach, refuses to pass by on the other side. They have an eye out for the broken and a hand too. And this may be, I recognize, one of the most elementary teachings in all of Scripture, This may strike you this morning as Sunday School 101 or maybe Sunday School 001. But beloved of God, I concentrate on this simple message this morning because I find this an incredibly important message to underscore and speak out at the present time in the life of this church and in the life of our culture and society the Center for Disease Control, the CDC in the United States, and you can be sure that the statistics here are relatively the same or similar in Canada. The CDC reported that only after five months into the pandemic, serious mental health issues were beginning to surface in the population at large. Let me give you a sense of it. 31% out of nearly 10,000 people surveyed said that they were experiencing severe anxiety or extreme depressive symptoms 31%. That's almost a third of the population. Another 26% were showing signs of trauma and or stress-related disorders. 13% reported either starting or increasing substance abuse. 11% reported that they had seriously considered suicide, 11% out of the population. It's almost Well, it's 11 out of 100. All these statistics, the CDC reports, are a drastic increase from the same time the year before. People are really hurting. People are broken. In Canada, if I can have the uh, slide that's been prepared, here is a graph. I don't know how well you can see this. This is a graph from Health Canada that shows the spike in opioid deaths since the beginning of the pandemic is a drastic increase, perhaps in opioid use, but to be sure in opioid death. There's argument about what the cause, the reason is for that. It could be probably as it usually is in a complex world. It's a complex of factors. But the basic point for us is, my goodness, guys, what is going on? This is in Canada. Thousands are dying from opioid-related deaths. People are broken. A long-time friend of Michelle's and myself um, contacted us a couple of months ago telling us that they were quitting their present work. They'd been there for 15 years because they'd experienced panic attacks for the first time in their life. The pressure of everything that was going on, including what was going on at work, was just too much much. They're breaking. I heard that people who have been in the healthcare sector are totally worn out so that in the Okanagan, one of our, another one of our friends who's in long-term care facilities, they can't find enough nurses to care for the people in the hospital because those who are helping to heal others and care for them themselves need a tremendous amount of care. They're broken. Another friend of mine recently told me that their marriage is falling apart. And he is not the only one. Another person right here in this body shared with me this past week the plethora, the litany of struggles, not only in their own life, with their own health, but then with familial issues. It's heartache. It's heartbreak. So much brokenness. The broken are out there, beloved of God. They're out there. And the reality is, is they are right here too. We are among them. The fissures have begun to show. And the question is, do we here at Willoughby, therefore have an eye out for the broken? And a hand too. Are we present to the brokenness in our midst? I must say that one of the single greatest joys of being a pastor at Willoughby Church is the degree to which I see that we do. So many people here have an eye out for the broken and a hand too. It is inspiring to see it. And I have seen it so often and sometimes at such great cost to the people involved. Someone came up to me at the beginning of this pandemic and was asking about a particular senior in this body of Christ and asked if they were being visited regularly. And I said, well, I do go periodically, but I am positively sure that they would love it. Having just recently lost their spouse, they would love it to be visited a little bit more. And this person, since the beginning of the pandemic, has been making those visits, bringing food, doing other little items of care to somewhat alleviate the loneliness, that peculiar brokenness of loneliness that comes with all of the other things that attend upon old age. Another couple wrote me also early in the pandemic, saying to me, Pastor Ed, we know that this has been really hard for a lot of people financially and economically. Some people have lost their jobs. If there are people in Willoughby Church who are struggling, we both still have our jobs. God has richly blessed us. We want to do whatever we can to help. They were looking for someone to see who was broken in order to give a handout. And that happens here all the time. Others here have written cards, provided meals, taken on the task for themselves to drive others around because they can no longer drive themselves around. Our care... Our eye out for the broken doesn't need to be huge, doesn't need to be big, doesn't need to be flashy. More often than not, it's in the quotidian things, the daily things, the little things that help the most. Yet others I know here have continued to work at sponsoring refugees stuck in very different places of this world. They have an eye out for the broken and a hand too. And it is such a great joy. It's in this spirit actually that I when what was going on in Afghanistan started to go down, I called up Abbas, who some of you may know, who is from Afghanistan, and I said, Abbas, is there anything that we can do to help, because I know he has relatives there, to help your relatives come out? And he said, because I said, I know that if we appeal to this body, there will be help. He said, no, there's, there's nothing. and I wish there was something that we can do. It's too late. So that was heartbreaking. But I knew that if there were something that we could do, we would do it. I know that we have a lot of internal metrics that we consult when thinking about whether this church is doing well or not. We might ask ourselves how the music is. We might ask how many people are coming to Sunday morning worship. We might ask how many people are going to come back after COVID-19. We might ask how great or not great the preaching is. Or we may check to see if we can check off the boxes in terms of having enjoyed it this morning. We have all sorts of metrics to how the church is doing. But I believe that one of the single greatest metrics that Jesus has when He looks at His church is the degree to which we have an eye out for the broken and a hand out to. The degree to which we have learned as the household of God Not only to take care of those on the outside, yes, and that is a foundational task of the church, but also how well we love one another right here, which attends to each other's brokennesses of all different kinds. And you know, on the whole, I think we do pretty well here, as I just suggested. I think we do pretty well. I also think that we could do better. Some of us can stand opening up our eyes just a little bit wider. Take our eyes a little more off ourselves and take greater notice of the broken in our paths, in our midst. And then just do what we can to help in big ways or small. Yes, you can't help everyone. You do have to be selective. The neighbor is the one who is near to us. And so we might say, who is near to me that I might help? There's a clip in a show called New Amsterdam. It was their pilot season. And they, it's about a hospital that is failing, really, really failing. They hire this new upstart CEO, uh, manager of the entire hospital named Max. And Max really wants to make a change in the culture because what he has been noticing is that the culture of the hospital has become one of, that's motivated by economics that's motivated by financial gain. And therefore, he believes it has lost its heart. The hospital's lost its center because any hospital worth its salt ought to be concerned most of all about the care of its patients. And there's a clip here that I want you to see. So if that clip is ready, it's about a three-minute clip. I just invite you to take this in for a minute. This is his, just to set it up a little bit. He's coming to talk to the doctors and the nurses and the hospital staff for the first time. And he's going to get to work on changing the culture. Just take a peek at this for a second. They do a pretty good job, don't they? It gets pretty exciting to be a part of a place where the drumbeat of our life together is, how can I help? What do you think is going to make this better? How can I help? The drumbeat in the hospital there is, the statement how can I help and in the church too in a fundamental way when we come here our posture toward others and toward the institution as a whole is hey how how can I help I know there's a lot of things to complain about I know that there are a lot of things that aren't right in the church but how can I help what can I do one of the things that I have heard through COVID when I've asked people about coming back is they say you know what I'm doing really good. We worship online. We gather together as our family. We sing around the TV. We're good. we got a really tight community with the five or the ten of us or whatever. So I don't really feel the need to come back. And my response in those situations has been and always wants to be. But hold on a second here. That, that's wonderful. I'm so delighted that you have a good family system. I'm so delighted that you can experience powerful worship in the presence of your own home. But what if there are people here in the body of Christ who need you? That you can be a balm towards. That you can offer a word of encouragement to. Maybe your coming back isn't all about you, but maybe it's about how you can be here for others. How can I help? How can I help? I think that's where I'm going to land this plane. I was actually going to transition into the Lord's Supper, but we are going to suspend our participation in the Lord's Supper until two weeks from now on ministry launch Sunday. But beloved, I encourage each one of us to think just maybe in a baby step way to begin with. How can I help? Let me offer a prayer for us as we conclude. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that In real time history, that you are the kind of God who stoops down, who has stooped down into the muck and mire of our broken lives. And you've held out your hand and you've said, How can I help? You, Lord God, the King, the Sovereign of this universe, who flung the stars into their orbit, are the kind of God who has an eye out for the broken and a hand out for them too. Thank you, O God, that even while we were sinners, yet you loved us. We do not claim that we are worthy of your love, but we do know that we need it more than anything else. Lord, let us drink your waters of grace in this morning in abundance. Heal us again, Lord, as we anticipate full healing yet to come. When the new heavens and the new earth come in their fullness, give us a sense of hope that the prospect for the future is good, no matter what presently plagues us, no matter what ills us. And Lord, indeed, transform us into the sort of people who are for other people also. Forgive us for our inadequacies and sin. We know there are many, but use us in this day for your glory and for the advance of your kingdom on this earth. It is in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.